You are listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. How are you doing today? I'm so excited to be here. New Year, 2023. 2023 is the first ep of the year. Is it technically January right. 2nd? Today's January yep, today's 2nd. We have with today's us Austin St. John. We have Austin hello, St. John in the booth. Okay. I, I so. realize that, that uh, Battle Ready has a patron saint. <laughs> Austin, St. <laughs> John, St. John of Austin. Um, okay, so a lot of things have happened. We haven't been back in a few weeks. Uh, we've, I, you know, as you get into the new year, people make New Year's resolutions. People come back into the gym. They drink crazy drinks that help them get, you know, fit and slim and healthy. But how long does it last? <laughs> as a dramatic drink well, for all of our listeners you know it's better not to make resolutions it's better to um uh, to make changes <laughs> interesting okay yeah yeah so right. you know What's the difference? Uh, well i think one of them is the resolution is based on a long-term goal or vision of yourself and in it and changes are what you can do today you, you know right. And, you know, it's when people say, hey, I'm going to lose 20 pounds or, um, you know, I'm going to do this or that. It's so much better just to go, um, this is what I'm going to do today. And what I'm going to try to do, this is what I'm, I'm trying to com- commit to do every day. And so got back into gym today. My body um, was rebelling. <laughs> oh, so you're one of those. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the gym was empty. The, the, the place I work out, it was empty. Wait, was it? What? I yeah, feel like people yeah, so, aren't really back in the city yet, though. Well, it seemed that very few people were resolving <laughs> to get in shape <laughs> or get healthy. Um, but it's also I raining it. in LA today, so it's been it's it been raining. raining. Like, it's been raining every day this week. It's so crazy for all of you people who are stuck in like ice frozen tundras. <laughs> what was it called? It was called like a black uh, hydra or something. Or was that just Marvel? Was, what that was a it a cyclone? Cyclone. There was uh, a bomb, Cycl- cy- uh, a cyclone bomb or something like that. A cyclone bomb. bomb. Yeah, yeah. And that well, sounds like they, something they, you, an ice cream you get at 7 Eleven. Actually, I felt like the language of a bomb was strategic so that it would be seen as a part of like the climate battle. Really? So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, um, we need to go to war against climate change and so you have a climate bomb and a cyclone huh. bomb whatever it is and and so the language is is very telling and it's 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 important it's great marketing and we should be better at at uh naming our podcast episodes <laughs> you call this one cyclone bomb and uh but um usually when you're bombing it's not a good thing <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's really not a good thing. Okay, so uh, a, a couple different things, I guess, we got going. Do we have New Year's resolutions? I want to make a, a New Year's resolution. Can we talk about our New Year's resolutions? Yeah, go for it. No, what's yours? Well, I, I you know, because of my friend John Gordon, I kind of shifted from um, any thoughts and resolutions to using a, a word. Like, you know, he's really big on choosing your word for the year. And every year he'll text me and go, do you have a word? What's your word? Are you going to have a word? And so um, I uh, I crumble under 
um, brute pressure <laughs> from my friend John, and I always uh, now pick a word. Very, very hard um, for me to pick a word because I feel like it's so um, limiting or maybe it would be called focus. And uh, right. but so I chose the word scale as my word and uh, it just kind of floated in my mind. Um, and I wrote, I put this on my story. So I'll just read this real quick. Okay. The reason I chose the word scale is scale my influence and impact, scale every obstacle in front of me, remove the scales that blind me, get on the scale without regret, use every note on the scale of my talent. To allow no scale to be my measure and to tip the scale in favor of others. And so I, I chose scale as my word because I felt it had layers of uh, layers and dimensions of meaning for me for this year. Mm, I like that. Huh. What would my word be? Would you like have a word five different definitions for it right there? Yeah, you, 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 really, you, really, you really stretched that word. If you could sum it up, it's... If you could center it up into one line, what would what's what is what does scaling mean to you? Um, erase every limitation that um, is there because of my mindset. No, 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 no. too long, too long. <laughs> you didn't even use the word scale. I want to grow everything. You want to scale everything. Yeah, I want to scale everything. I want I want it to go higher, bigger, stronger, better myself. I want to scale um, on a personal level as well. Oof, I like that. Yeah. Austin, you got one? I haven't fully decided. Right now I'm kind of thinking about excitement because oh, I, cool. I don't know. I've had a lot of anticipation for this year, and I know there's a lot of things that I'm a part of that I, like, I'm so grateful to be a part of, and I just want to be bringing that excitement to it, you know, just like mm. spicing things up and, and coming at things with, um, with more energy. And just ready to take it on. Oh, I love, I love that. that. So good. Well, speaking Aaron, of spices, well, I got, I'll get to my word in a second, but speaking of spices, I tried to use this air fryer that I got for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Do you have an air fryer? I yes, do. I, I love it. Well, I, I love, well, okay. I used it one time. I loved it. I tried to make chicken wings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but you know, the whole thing about chicken wings is like, what kind of chicken wing are you going to make? And I, I want to say it was Joe. Or maybe it was Devante. One of the one of the guys introduced me to salt, like lemon pepper chicken. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, okay, this changed my life. So I was going to make lemon pepper chicken wings at home. The air fryer did its magic. It was amazing. But I put way too much seasoning on this thing. It was, <laughs> I was like sick afterwards, like how much lemon pepper. I think there's still lemon pepper in my body. Like it was <laughs> – I don't know why I use so much. I don't know how. Like I read the instructions wrong or something, but I'm, I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey with excitement. Uh, my word, I don't know what my word is, but I got asked this on New Year's Eve at a little dinner. And the person asked me, um, or she was telling me this. She was saying, it was a new friend. I had just met them that night. And she was saying, uh, I am getting rid of something. I'm letting go of something this year. And then I'm, ex- I'm inviting something in. So what are you inviting in and what are you letting go? And I have been thinking a lot about, you know, what I want 2023 to look like or to be. And, and not so much envisioning the physical at reality of it, but just like what are some core values I could bring into it. 
And I, I, I told myself that I don't want, I, I want to make sure that I'm doing things that make me happy and doing things that are meaningful. So if they're not, if it doesn't make me happy and it's not meaningful, I'm not doing it. And it doesn't mean that everything has to be enjoyable. It doesn't mean that everything has to be like self-pleasing, but I think, you know, I'm happier when I'm working out. I'm happier when I'm reading. I'm happier when I'm eating well. I'm happier when I'm spending time around people that I feel, um, you know, bring goodness into my life and mm-hmm. where I can bring goodness to their lives. And also, you know, meaningful things can be hard. You know, I think it's it's meaningful to spend time with God. I think it's meaningful to help serve others. I think it's meaningful to really work hard. Um and so I, I don't know. That's, that's, those are my two things. I think happy and meaning, happiness and meaning. And maybe it's just intention, but I don't like the word intention. Mm-hmm. I'm not out here like, you know, dancing around with ribbons unintentionally. <laughs> it's too LA for you. It's too LA for me. But I, I, yeah, I did, I did have, the, I did have this thought. And then the second thought, my negative thought, oh, it always goes a little bit negative. You roll your eyes, dad, was that I, I'm not, I'm cutting out people who don't invite me into their world. Mm. And I don't mean that like in a mean way. I mean, like, like there are people who you have mutual worlds together and there's people who you go into their world and there's people who go into your world. And I think the people who go into your world, but don't ever invite you into their world. I think those are the people that you kind of have to filter out a little bit. It doesn't mean that you have to be in everything of every person's life. But I felt like, I was like, oh, I got a lot of one-sided friends. Yeah, yeah it's this, about the invitation. It's not always even about, you know. Um, if you're listening happens. to this, it's too late. What's that? Because if you're listening to this, it's too late. <laughs> no, I don't think it's too late. I think sometimes people need a wake-up call. I mean, I, I had a conversation with someone I've known for quite a few years. And yeah. I, I was with them and I said to them, hey, I want to be very clear. I am your friend, but you yeah. are not my friend. And yes. they looked at me really shocked. Yeah. And they go, well, what? What, what? what do you mean? I said, I'm always here for you, but you are never here for me. And so, I, and, and, and I said, and I'm still going to be here for you, but I just want to be clear that this isn't a mutual friendship. This is a yeah. completely one-sided friendship. I think sometimes having that honest conversation, that wake-up call is an important thing with some people in your life, especially if you value them at all, right? You know, Um, so, you know, if you're listening right now, maybe you need a wake-up call. Maybe there are people in your life that are always there for you, but you're not there for them. Yeah. And you're going to lose them if you're not careful. You're going to lose some of those valuable people in your life if you don't actually become reciprocal. And, and also, I think there are people who are feeling what you feel, Aaron, who um, are always inviting people into their world, but they don't get that reciprocal inv- invitation. And they realize that that person doesn't measure the relationship the way that you're measuring the relationship. And, uh, and, yeah. and you have to, you know, you have to be aware of that and then decide, hey, what are you going to do? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. And so it's not so much like a savage thing. I think I just, I feel, I always feel this social pressure to say yes to everything. And I said it to my, I said it to my friend Annabelle the other night at New Year's Eve. We're like, you know, we we went out to go to a a party, but really it was just 
John and Vinny's and we sat in front of a fireplace. <laughs> That's nice. With like, what? So That's like nice. a great party. Yeah. It was great. Honestly, it was great. But it was, and Ellie was raining. And so I, Austin took me an hour to get an Uber. Like the moment oh, no. we had New Year's, I was like, all right, let me get out. I'm peacing out. Let me get out of this place. And I just left my phone open for an hour and the Uber just was waiting, 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 mm, waiting. crazy. Um, it was crazy. And she says something to me. I was like, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm coming over the house. I said this to Annabelle <laughs> Philippe. And she goes, you always say that, but then you never come. So how about when you wake up in the morning and if you feel like you want to come over, just come over. I was like, dang, I really do do that. Because my intention is, what I mean by that is I'm loving hanging out so much. I'll see you like, I want to come over tomorrow. Let's hang out. And then when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, not actually tired. And I need alone time because I'm socially get introverted. So I've realized that I've also, I also needed to be that friend who like shows up even when they don't want to. And I wasn't going to do it. I was like all day on New Year's Eve, I get sad boy. I get kind of like, you know, well, I'm not going to kiss anybody. So what's the point of going out? And then she was like, just, just get out of your house. Stop being a weirdo. Stop being by yourself and watching Yellowstone. Go outside and hang out and celebrate life. <laughs> so that's happiness and that's meaning. And I'm grateful for my people in my life. I, I, I really love that. I think it's really good. And now, by the way, when you yes, talked sir. about meaning, uh, meaning and happiness, okay. I also talked about excitement. You didn't force them to condense everything into one little tiny sentence. You didn't force yourself to condense it to one sentence. So when I try to talk about scale, you made me try to say it in two <laughs> words. I, okay, you told the story, though. You told the story. I told You're the story. scale back. <laughs> you just love breaking the rules. So what's one thing you're letting go of and one thing you're inviting in to 2023? Yeah, I think that one of the things I've been trying to tell myself, I've been telling myself for years is stop doing things out of obligation mm. and do things out of intention. And mm. I do like that word. And I like that word. Now and I then like. I find myself backtracking <laughs> to obligation. You know, I, 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 you know, because everybody has like their Achilles heel. Everybody has the, the stuff that they have to fix over and over again. I find myself so many times doing things out of obligation and, um, and, and not out of intention, but I, I, I feel like I'm there at 80, 20, but I think one of the things I want to do this year is that I want to let go of the feeling that being successful is wrong. Mm. I, it's hard for me to shake that feeling. Mm. Like, and I think some of it is beginning you know, because I'm also like a pastor and uh, because I'm a follower of Jesus and, mm. and because I'm a public personality and because I get so much criticism and critique that I just always have this, this like cloud on me where I feel um, embarrassed if I'm successful or ashamed yeah. if I'm successful. And, yeah. and so I want to let go of any sense of shame that I am actually good at something and mm. capable of succeeding and accomplishing things. And what I want to add is I want to add audacious, bold, ridiculous drive to scale at the highest level possible in mm. every arena of my life. So that's my, my um, ebb and flow. That's amazing. I love that. I really do like that. I think, you know, Toby talked about obligation. 
And it feels like, you know, it, it, we talk about our projects and being successful and people hating. I, I have this really, there's a, there's a guy and I can't remember his name and I'll, I'll leave his name out because, you know, I, it's not worth it. But I remember there was a guy and he, I remember one mosaic Sunday, he came up to you and he was fanboying and he was like super kind, good looking, big, like Southern guy. And he was telling, dropping names. Like he knew Joe White. He knew all these guys that you had been on tour with for a long time. He's a young guy. And I remember just like, I always like meet those guys and I'm like, oh, man, he ain't going to make it. He's not going to make it. He's not going to, he's not going to last. Cause he's just, he needs so much to be like, to be seen here that we you know that's not going to work. And I remember when we released, I remember when we started Venice, Mosaic Venice. Um, he like went at me so hard on Instagram being like, you guys are so fake. And I remember because we, we, we put, I left the Instagram on private. Cause I was like, if you're, I want you to have to follow it to be a part of it. And he's like, you guys are so fake at mosaic. You guys just create exclusivity and all this stuff. And I remember being like, my man, you were like begging, begging to be friends. And all you have to do to be friends is just be around to be seen. And now that you've, you know, he had gotten married, he had married a girl that we had known and like all this stuff. Do you even know who I'm talking about, Dad? I don't. It's so crazy. I block, you know, I block all those things out of my mind. But I remember when we started McVans Gallery, he hated on it so bad. He was posting. He was commenting. I mean, we, do you remember when we first posted? That first night, we had like we were sitting there at your house, and we were having so much anxiety. It was oh, during I mean, COVID. Unbelievable how much um, vitriol and, and hate came our way. And yet, you know what's crazy? is all of them aren't around anymore and we're still doing it two years later <laughs> still doing it and those bums are sitting behind their instagrams doing nothing and so here i say all that to say is that like like hate we were talking about this because we were we were like we remember we were talking about embarrassment versus hate you were going into like a, a really delicate situation and we were talking about this a while back and i was like make sure uh, or anger we talked about embarrassment and anger and the two differences between being embarrassed and being angry but I kind of attribute that to hate sometimes. I'm like, bitterness lasts forever. If when you let like anger and hate and jealousy seep into like the roots of your soul, that becomes bitterness and that bitterness lasts for a long time. It's really hard to get that bitterness out. But when you're, and I think it's really hard to get embarrassment out. I mean, we were talking about this. Like when you're embarrassed, you feel that embarrassment longer than you feel, than, than, than if you feel angry. Mm-hmm. When you're mad at someone, I feel like I get mad and then I get happy really quick. I don't let it go that deep, you know, unless that, unless you're that one guy. <laughs> but like, can you talk, can you, you really broke it down well. Can you break down this kind of idea of what, what causes bitterness and how do we let that go? And what causes anger and how do we not let that root into bitterness? Well, I mean, I do think there's a, a lot there. It's it's a very complicated thing, and I, this is hard to to say. But um, when you're bitter, it's actually rooted in arrogance because you are demanding something from someone else that um, you may not have the right to ask of them, or that you don't have the power to make happen. And and so bitterness is a way of protecting yourself when you're hurt. It's um, Rather than feeling hurt, which makes you feel weak, you end up choosing to feel bitter, which you feel strong. And bitterness is a false strength. 
And so when you're bitter, you actually become aggressive. When you're bitter, you actually become proactive with negativity. Mm. Bitter people are never neutral. Like there's never a person with, that uh, doesn't make the environment worse um, when they're bitter. Like when a yeah. bitter person enters a room, they don't make the room better, but they, okay. don't, they don't make the room neutral. They actually make the room worse. And so when you're realizing, oh, bitterness is my way of trying to protect myself from being hurt, but it's also connected to your, to your pride because the most humble act in the world is to forgive. Mm. And when, and the only way to be free of bitterness is forgiveness. And the only way you can ever move toward forgiveness is humility. Mm. And so what happens is that bitterness attaches itself to our arrogance. Mm. And the only way you can detach that bitterness is through humility, which moves you toward forgiveness. Mm. I love that. I, I, I feel like that's a huge um, anchor for a lot of people coming into the new year. I don't know if it's, if it's just me, but I don't think it's just me. And, and we're kind of backtracking a little bit because I, I want to talk about hope in a desperate time and kind of everything that's happened the last like week or so. But, you know, at the end of the year, the holidays, it, it can be a heavy thing. Yeah. And we're, we're coming off a really successful 21 and 22. And, you know, for me, yeah, I'm the only unmarried one on this podcast. But for me, I'm sure both of you want free time and alone time all the time. But I'm like, somebody bug me. Like, I'm by myself a lot. And I do like being by myself a lot. I like, I, I have very uh, high need for, for alone time. But, it, but, you know, on New Year's Eve, you're kind of this, in this place of like, okay, all of my friends are either out of town or doing things or, you know, with their other half. And most, I got to a place in 2021 where I, most of my friends were having kid number three kid number, number two. two i mean austin's probably feeling that now because he just turned 30 a few weeks a few days ago happy birthday by yeah. the way yeah thank and you. but he doesn't get to feel this way because he has crystal so it's just me feeling this way now um but i was you know i was telling you this dad i was like you know there's nothing that makes up for the fact that you're alone sometimes mm-hmm. you know when you don't want to be and i try not to live in it as much as i think i did in 2020 i think i think when covid hit i was not good I look back at some of those podcasts and I wasn't good mentally. And, you know, I was very self-destructive. I was not helpful. I don't think I, mentally I was strong. And going into 2023, I think I realized there were some things that are holding me back and I needed to leave them in 2022. And I know that it's all just symbolism and I know that it's all just this, this invisible, you know, door we're just walking through from one, from, you know, leaving a year behind and going to the next one. But I do think there's something very symbolic and something very human about this symbolism um, and very, something very spiritual about it as well, that if we don't give up the bitterness, if we don't give up the anger, if we don't give up the things that frustrate us and hurt us, we'll never be able to step into the new year with a new person, you know, as a new person. Yeah. Yeah. Bitterness keeps you trapped to the past. Yeah. Forgiveness frees you so you can actually begin to create a different future. And so it's a great conversation to begin a new year. Um, let, let's just etch a sketch this thing, um, get rid of the bitterness, move into forgiveness, and move into your freedom. I, I have this country artist I really love. His name is Zach Bryan. He's all over Yellowstone. But one of our boys, Kirill, um, does, he's, I, I think he's Ukrainian. He's Ukrainian, right, Austin? Wow. He's, he plays, I, think, I think so, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And he tours with Zach, and he's amazing. He's an incredible guy. And Zach posted this thing on um, his Instagram this morning, and it said, or maybe it was late last night. And he said, um, what did he say? Here's my prayer for another year of growing older. Cheers to a bookmark on mortality, and thanks, everyone, for sticking around. And and I thought it was such an interesting concept, this uh, bookmark on mortality. Like each year is kind of this ending of a chapter and we only get so many chapters in our book and this, in this book of life that we get to live. And really it's up to us to decide what we do with each year. And, and, you know, I hung out with some friends in the morning. It was two, two interesting situations. Cause I didn't realize that one of them was like really, really, really good friends with the next girlfriend of mine from, you know, four, three or four years ago, we won't name but that was like a really bad situation. And I really like have a lot, had a lot of anxiety and like, and hurt from it. And it took me years to kind of get over it. And she's like, Oh no, but I'm Switzerland. And I looked her in the face and said, no one believes Switzerland. What weren't Nazis. <laughs> like, like you, there, I was like, basically I was saying like Switzerland doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. And it was like really only, Switzerland only exists because both parties decide to let it exist that's where all the money was right so i'm like i was like look you have a and i looked at her in the face and, I, and she's a very wonderful person so i actually really like like her a lot she's a cool person and and it was a great time hanging out with their friends but i was like look i was like you have the choice here to actually be switzerland or to everything i say go back to the person and say whatever you know this is how he's like now this is what he's like like, but either way, you, you, there's going to be a day where you choose. And there's always, there's always days where we choose. And then at the end of the hang, they, you know, they text in the little group text, one out of 365 days. Like, look, what a great first day of 365 days. And I was like, 364 days left. That's not that many days. Yeah. The grand scheme of things, like that goes by so quickly. So what are yeah, we going to do? January 2nd, you know, is when we took down our Christmas trees and ornaments and everything else. And uh, Mine's still up. Night before, I, uh, I told Kim, I said, you don't, we don't know how many more of these we're going to have. Mm. And, um, and I said, that, I think that's why I'm like so melancholy because I appreciate so much. And, you know, I, I've always been like this. Even in my 20s, I always thought, uh, soak in the moment, soak in the moment, soak in the moment. It might be the last. And, yeah. and I was like that in my thirties and forties and fifties. And now in my sixties, even more so going soak in this moment. Like I just kept staring at all the Christmas ornaments and, and just trying to just take snapshots in my mind and, and uh, hold these memories. And I, I think people should really learn to treasure and value um, the beauty of this moment now. So yeah, there's only 364 days. 2023 will be gone before we know it. Mm. And the question is, what will we do in, with these days this year to make 23 the most unique and significant and meaningful and extraordinary year of our lives? It's so true, right? And if, like, if we don't, who will? I think it's on us to make sure we don't waste this. Yep. Make sure that this next year is something that we we value. And we were we were joking because you know you hate the word manifesting. <laughs> and I like was like, no, you gotta love manifesting because manifesting is like just an, an 
like one step closer for people who don't believe in God. You know, I was like, it's that, that verse where it says he knows the desires of our hearts. Yeah. No, they take it into a weird mental map and projecting. <laughs> thing. But you know, like, what was it? Cause who said someone, someone crazy famous said that they manifested something that was like, Oh dang, like you did like, that's, I don't know. Was it Jack Harlow? No, it wasn't Jack Harlow. Someone huge said something that was like, I manifested it. Oh, it was uh, Tom Holland. Have you seen oh. those, those TikToks, Austin, where like, and it wasn't him saying he manifested it, but he was like, I'm going to be Spider-Man he, when he was young. Yeah. And it's like, oh wow, dang. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, that's pretty amazing that like to have that kind of maybe vision and maybe you didn't know, but you're, you know, you're like, I'm going to do everything I can to kind of see those doors open and get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, but like when I was in high school, I had a track coach because I, I ran the hundred meter, uh, 120 meter high hurdles right then, whatever. And, um, and I kept hitting that fourth hurdle, kept hitting that fourth hurdle. And he said to me, I need you to go home and imagine yourself running all 10 hurdles. I just need you to see yourself do that. And you need to visualize yourself finishing this race. And so I just went home and did that over and over and over and over again. And I can tell you the very next meet I was the first time I finished a race. And it was a split second um, like camera finish with one of the best high hurdlers in the state of North Carolina. Wow. And um and, and so I learned early on the power of visualization. And then I became a follower of Jesus. And everybody says, no, no, you can't visualize. That's new age. And I'm like, how is this new age? God gave us this imagination. And it yeah. does translate into reality. And, and I know that I, I've, you know, it's funny. If, if you're a Christian, it's okay to have visions, but it's not okay to visualize. <laughs> it's so crazy. So you can passively receive a vision, but you cannot proactively visualize. <laughs> yeah. And uh, or you I, can aggressively share your vision with other people, but you, know, yeah. you can't visualize to yourself. Yeah, and you can yeah, make can other we, people visualize your vision. Can we talk <laughs> yeah, exactly. about this? Can we talk about this? Because, you know, we were somewhere recently and I think I made a comment to one of the guys running it being like, yo, you know, that was mad. You know, that was like really weird. Right. <laughs> and they were like, what do you mean? And I'm like, is it normally like this? And they were like, cause I'm also, I'm also at an age where I'm not trying to be them. I'm not trying to speak all over the world. I'm just being me. I just want to be me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to be your son and kick it with you and wingman and go enjoy it and do battle ready and ruin people's lives. But, but I'm not trying to, I don't need the stage. So I have, don't feel the pressure of speaking my mind. And I was like, that was weird. Like there was a person on the floor. Someone else was doing some crazy, like <laughs> Skywalker <laughs> Jedi stuff. And it wasn't normal. That was not normal. I could not have brought friends who don't know God there. And if I, if I had walked out of that door with someone who actually genuinely didn't know God, they'd be like, what the actual heck are you doing here? And I asked you this question at night because we were, I was pretty, you know, I really love the people. So there's the other thing is I'm not hating on them. Wonderful people. Really relaxed culture. Too relaxed. And I (laughs) talked to you. I was like, am I in a cult? And you were like, and you don't like that question. But I was like, am I in a cult? Am I? You know, tell me I'm not. Tell me I'm not. But if you go to, you know, you go to Burning Man, you go to Coachella, you go to these, you know, Lollapalooza, you go to these big, you know, secular, mainstream, 
big artists, you know, concerts, conferences. And there, you know, there's a lot of people on drugs, a lot of people doing drugs, a lot of people out there dancing, doing weird stuff. I don't know if there's weirder people doing weirder things than at a church conference or at a church Sunday night service or at a church anywhere. And that's without drugs. And so I'm always just kind of curious as to like, you know, we've talked a lot about this because people are very into like mushrooms and into ketamine and into all of these like new treatments that are very bizarre. And I think for me, it's not my thing. I've never been into drugs. It's not really a thing. But like we were talking about ayahuasca and people taking these spiritual experiences. But I've really told you like, you know, let's keep an open mind about it. Not that we're doing it, but that let's not judge it. Let's just see what comes from it. And I don't know. People do weird stuff. Why do we do weird stuff? Can we stop doing weird stuff in 2023? Can we manifest that? (laughs) I think the reality (laughs) is that in a lot of environments that are um, gracious to broken, hurting, um, emotionally unstable people, they end up having their cultures almost hijacked by the people who are most psychologically and emotionally damaged. And they think they're creating a openly spiritual environment, but what they're actually doing is modeling unhealth because healthy people are pretty aware of, yeah, that didn't feel healthy. You know, even just moving into a different category um, when there was like a lot of focus on what, on small groups, they would talk about, you know, everyone needs to be in a small group with 10 or 12 people. And then when you get, in that group with 10 or 12 people who are sort of picked arbitrarily, you're not picking those people. Yeah, and then yeah, you're yeah. supposed to open up your life and be transparent and share with them all your struggles. And, and I remember I was, I was actually in charge of the, you know, of the church. And I was like, guys, a, an emotionally healthy person would never do that. Do they would what? never just start sharing their deepest hurts and pains and fears and struggles with 10 strangers. No, that's like some weird Scientology stuff right there. You know, it's, it, 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 I think sometimes we're just not paying attention to the fact that that group is in the, it will almost always be dominated by the most unhealthy person in the room. And so the most emotionally healthy person is the ones going to be doing all the talking. They're the mm. ones going to be doing all the sharing. And the rest of the group is actually going to uh, be af- affected by a culture that is unhealthy. Do you think a lot of that comes from this, this post-Catholicism culture that we have? And that like it's post, like confess your sins to the priest. So you get into these rooms where it's like, let's put people together. And instead of confessing to a priest, you confess to each other. Is like active confession. Is that what you think it is? Or do you think it's just our weird human need to talk about ourselves? Well, I, I do think that humans need the catharsis of having someone they can share their life with, share their struggles with, share their fears. And yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, share their brokenness mm-hmm. and, uh, and share their sins. And, and so I, I think when the Catholic Church created that kind of relationship, um, they, they understood that there was a psychological need for people and a spiritual need. But when you're doing it with a stranger, or you're doing it with someone who's not invested in your life, I think it can actually become incredibly unhealthy. Mm. And I think it's important for people to have people in their life that they can share who they really are and have um, a level of accountability that's not imposed by the outside person, but given by the person 
in the relationship. And, and, and one of the things I remember years ago, I said, hey, look, we keep trying to create systems or structures for community. But the most important question is, are people in community? And people find community in different ways. Some people, the community they really need is two or three people in their life. Some people need community with 10 or 12 people. Some people, the community they really, really value is 20 people. You know, they, they need a larger community to actually feel loved and accepted and belong and to grow. And I don't think that we should choose a system above the actual need that people have. And what people fundamentally need are genuine friendships. And when you can actually make a friend or two, it changes everything. By the way, all the studies about workplace satisfaction, the number one indicator of people loving their jobs is that they have one person they consider a friend at work. If you don't have at least one person that you consider a friend, you're going to hate your job no matter how good it is. Mm -hmm. And now that we have so much isolation and people working from home and, and people being more disconnected, I'm not sure where people are going to find those opportunities to build real community, to have real friendships. And I think it's, it's a genuine human need. And I think it's why we have growing depression. It's why we have growing sense of despair. It's why people feel deeply isolated, disconnected, and why we have an epidemic of suicide in our culture. It's that human beings are not designed to do life alone. You know, we had a friend, and I say that um, yeah. in generosity because I wasn't really close with this person, but you, you were closer with this person and someone who had been in our community for a few years and obviously during COVID didn't see them very often, but stayed in touch. And I, I don't even know the, the dates of it now because it, I feel like since this has happened, Christmas and New Year's and all of the work in between just kind of blended in a kind of a horrible way, you know? Yeah. Um, but we had a friend that took his life um, and did his life a few weeks back. And, you know, it was a devastating thing. The person was really well known. He, he left back, uh, left a loving family and, was always a very generous and kind person. And I, we had talked a lot about it the last, over the last few weeks and me and you dad. And, and I felt like it felt like one of those moments where, you know, I feel like when people have taken their lives in the past, you know, we're a part of a huge, pretty large community. Historically, there have been people who have taken their lives and there, and luckily there hasn't been, you know, thank God that there hasn't been many the few times that it has happened in the past, it was always like a, this kind of brutal reminder of like check in on the people around you. But this one more than anything felt like that. And we immediately, I was immediately on the phone, you know, and I wasn't even close with this person, but it was like, I called Austin. Hey, are you, if you're ever not good, I need you to call me. Mm. You know, I, you remember, I called you immediately, Austin. I talked to Tess. Yeah, I talked to yeah. I talked, went through our crew. Cause I was like, this is, this isn't going to be the day that there's two, you know? Yeah. And I don't think there's people who, I don't think, I don't think those people were going to do any, do anything, but it made me very nervous. And so it's like I, this, even this morning uh, I was watching hope in a desperate time, which was a message you gave almost 10 years ago now, nine years ago in after Robin Williams took his life. And yeah. it was a beautiful message, beautiful, beautiful message. 
and I listened to it this morning because one of the things I haven't talked about yet is I'm going to do a hundred days of like wisdom. I was like, I want to like learn every day for the next hundred days, something book mm -hmm. message podcast. Um, but can you talk to us a little bit about how you process and how do you maintain? Cause one of the things I, I called you the other day and I said, thank you so much for always choosing like life when life wasn't easy, when life was really hard and, and thank you for sticking around for me. You know, I, I couldn't imagine. I know it's hard. I know that there are moments probably where you didn't know where money was coming from or food was coming from or, you know, what was next. But thank you for always sticking around and being a beacon of hope. So, you know, but how do you deal with it? How do you process it? Yeah, it's, uh, um, it's a hard week because by the time this podcast airs, um, you know, I will already, um, I will have been a part of um, um, that funeral. Um, when when Robin Williams um, died, I had, you know, I had had the opportunity to be around him, you know, a bit. And, and it just felt very personal to me. And, um, and then, you know, during this Christmas season, our, our friend Stephen Boss, um, uh, died and, you know, the world knows him as, as Twitch. And, um, you know, I, I, obviously, you know, we know Allison and his, his wife and, um, and our hearts are broken for them and their kids. And, and here you have someone who the world knows as a beacon of joy and hope and laughter and, family and like ev everything good. And, um, and he really was that guy. He was a, uh, a great husband, a great father, um, really wanting to make the world better. He, you know, I mean, frankly, when the Ellen show and Ellen DeGeneres was in massive turmoil, it, it was Stephen who was the anchor yeah. for that entire cast and crew and show and 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 it it's it, it and and so it's it was so unexpected for everyone around him and and it's impossible to make sense of something like this you you know everyone always tries to find a reason everyone always tries to find the cause and and you know there there it's almost as if there's so many threads in someone's life when something like this happens that you could almost just pull any thread and go, uh, it might've been this, or it might've been this, or it might've been this. And, and one of the things I, I just feel like we need to say is I understand there's some people listening even now mm. who um, may struggle with suicidal thoughts. And, mm. and in fact, I, I think struggling with suicidal thoughts is more common than people um, make it out to be. I think it's it's a huge, huge battle. I, I I I think that there are many people who never choose to act on those thoughts who have had to go face to face against that um, that reality and uh, had to choose to not listen to those voices and people who end their lives in this tragic way. You always find people who love them, 
who are left behind, people who are devastated, people who valued them, who cared about them. And, and so you, you cannot say that people end their lives because they were alone or unloved or unvalued, but they did somehow feel desperately alone and maybe unvalued and unloved. That, but it isn't because it was a reality. It's because there was something happening in their inner world that did not allow them to translate what was real around them into their inner space, into their inner world. I, I just, um, I just think it's so important to to never listen to any voices in your head. Mm. I tell you, the only solution is ending your life, mm. or that the best solution is to end your life. It's not the right decision for yourself, and it's not the right decision for the people who will be devastated by that choice, uh, because they will be. Um, you struggling, you fighting to live is the greatest gift you can give your family, mm. the greatest gift you can give the people who care about you and love you and value. And, you know, Aaron, this is... This is such a, I think it's a prevalent issue. And by the way, and I'm, I just want to say this with such care, but suicide is, a, is contagious. It is a virus. It is a pandemic. Um, when one person takes their life or when someone has had that happen in their life, um, that becomes a, a, a higher probability. And, and you, and that's one of the reasons it. I'm so proud of you that you called Austin and Tess and the people in your life because when someone close ends their life, that becomes a higher possibility for other people who are affected by the, the seismic effect of that disaster, of that crisis, of that tragedy. And, and so I think it's really important to check in on each other, check on your friends and, and, and yet what I do know is that so oftentimes the people around them go, I didn't, I didn't see any, I didn't see the signs and I thought they were good and I thought they were close and I thought they were doing well. And, and, and what's crazy is that the people going through this are so good at hiding it. They're, they're so good at creating a facade where you can't see their deepest pain. And, and so it's really important to realize that the person, I, I, I think a lot of times it's, it's a person who um, is, it feels so much obligation to be someone for others or to act like they're a certain way or a certain thing when they're not there. And, and it can be a danger because you end up giving more than you have. And then when you have nothing left, it can lead you to some really bad choices. I think, you know, we talked about this because you've gone through some, you've gone through house stuff in the past. And, you know, I said something to you maybe not too long ago where I said, you know, I'm going to, me and God are going to have words when I get, when I get there. And I've always taken this approach with my relationship with God. <laughs> Every, you know, I, when, you know, it talks, is it is it Genesis when it talks about um, Jacob and wrestling God? And I always have really thought about that verse because I've always 
not, and it's not from a perspective of I want to fight God or I want to maybe a little bit of that, but mm-hmm. or that I have this disdain towards God. But there is a, a level of un, there is a level of understanding I do not have for why He does things the way that He does things. And I'm obviously I believe in God. Um, I just don't understand God. And you know, mm-hmm. I had said something to you and said, you know, when I get up, when I get up there, we're, we're gonna have some some conversations before I go in and how I think he should do some things a little different. <laughs> I don't I want don't to disappoint understand. you, but I think when you, when you get in front of God, he'll do most of the talking. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Actually. I think God is completely the opposite. He created a system where we pray to him. If That's he does true. most of the talking, it would be us listening all the time. Well, no prayer is supposed to be us listening too. <laughs> I think it's a bit of both, right? Yeah, it is. No, I think God is the God. No, don't disagree with me. Allows us to ask. No, I, I do think God is the God who allows us to ask questions. And, I, got a, um, I got a lot of questions. Yeah. I have a sense that once we get in God's presence that way, things will be so clear because we'll see things differently. And um, But that's an aside. And maybe a different podcast. Maybe it is. Uh, but I, I do think... That you know, for people who struggle with this, and um, that it's you know, and the thing I that really concerns me is that I have a few friends who who are people who never complain and people who never say things, never talk what's going on inside of them. They're and they're not equal partners in voicing what's going on, and I worry about that because I'm so grateful, you know, I'm, there's been so many moments in my life of despair and frustration and, and it's relative, right? I have, a, I have an incredible life, but I, I have you, I have things like this. I have outlets where, and friends and, and many friends that if I was really, really struggling, I could go to, you know, and I get concerned. And I think it's a mental thing. The same way that we talked about how being equal partners as, as friends and like inviting people into your space and then being invited into their space. It, it's, it's, um, I almost never will continue being friends with someone when the conversation goes to a place of like, hey, I really can't tell you that. Um, I don't feel comfortable sharing that. And usually I'm okay with it in the first time. Hey, yeah, totally understand. We're new friends. But when people can't share what's really going on in their life, I get really nervous around them because I'm like, oh, you're someone who there's an entire world inside of you that you don't give anyone access to. Mm. And I don't know if I can attach myself to that, mm. you know, and I've, I've had that in my past in my life. And even now there's stuff I don't want to talk about, but I think I try to yeah. do my best to, to help people gauge where I'm at. You know, hey, I'm having a bad day today. I'm having a hard day today. I'm struggling with yeah. this, or, you know. And it's it's such an important, I think, practice for people of faith, people who don't believe anything, to to understand the importance of being known and being seen and seeing others and knowing others. And that you truly cannot be – and I think we live in a, in a city and a culture of people who really need to be seen, mm-hmm. you know, who really need attention. And that attention is never completed as a black hole if you don't actually give attention to people, if you don't actually see other people. I hated the movie Avatar, the second Avatar. That was some boo-boo, wild, hippie, 
that's like i don't know what that is that is like some commune growing up on the farm everybody drinking the same crazy kool-aid turns you blue but there was a few moments where they talk about like seeing each other like oh it's interesting this is weird this movie's so whack in 3d oh my gosh I hated it so much. I hated it so, so I had to remind myself that I was like, your dad doesn't hate things the way you hate things. So don't hate this or to like ruin his experience because then he'll feel guilty for having you sat through a three and a half hour movie. And so I was just like, oh yeah, like wasn't my favorite. Inside I'm like, I call Austin in the car. I was like, did you see this movie yet? <laughs> he was like, no, I haven't. I was like, call me when you've seen it. But this idea of seeing each other, and I think it's a two-way street, right? It's like whenever you see everyone and no one sees you, it's dangerous. Not just for the people around you, for yourself, your own mental fortitude. Yeah. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, um, on a personal note, yeah, I had a conversation last night, and it was uh, more touching for me than I thought. Is um, um, A few weeks ago, and I didn't share this publicly, but uh, you know, I had to have a couple, so a few tests, and and uh, and then while they were, you know, um, doing the tasks, I was under. It took a, a couple hours. When I came out of it, the doctor came up to me and said, "Hey, uh, we had to do a biopsy," and um, you know, in my esophagus, and you know, and so it was just one of those deja vu moments. Um, I was finishing a book just like when six years before when I had cancer, it was during Christmas, like six years ago before I had cancer. They're going to let me know on the 22nd, the day for Kim's birthday, pretty much exactly like it was six years ago when I had cancer. And I thought, and then that book was the last arrow. And then this book was originally called hindsight. It was like looking back on things I've learned in my life. And I thought this is way too many parallels. And, and so when he says he had to do a biopsy, I mean, my first thought was, oh, man, I got to do this again. And, you know, I just only shared with my family, Aaron, Mariah, and Kim. But I did tell one other person. It was uh, John Gordon. And I, you know, called John. I said, hey, John, just, you know, on a personal note, uh, this is what's going on. And just pray. And I could tell my family's pretty shaken up. And I don't want to ruin Christmas for everyone by getting a bad report. So I tried to move back the, um, the results from the 22nd to after Christmas, I wouldn't ruin Christmas. And my whole family was like, you're going to ruin the entire new year. (laughs) (laughs) And I just didn't want to ruin Christmas for everyone. And and they're like, no, we need to know on the 22nd. And Mariah's supposed to go out of town the next day. And Ken's birthday's the next day. And I thought, ah, here I am again, ruining everybody's holidays. And, and uh, so then on the 22nd, so John, on the 22nd, when they gave me the results, they told me I did not have cancer. It was, you know, wonderfully good news. And I got stuff, but I don't have cancer. So I was like, yay. And, uh, and yesterday we had dinner with John Gordon and his wife, Catherine, and Kim and I. And, and, and as we were leaving in the parking lot, he said, hey, man, I never cry. He said, but... Um, when you called me and told me that they did a biopsy and you might have cancer, I got off the phone and I just started crying. I didn't want to lose you. And, um, it, you know, I was actually shocked. I'd be honest with you. I was like, I, I was, I didn't even know 
what to think or feel. And, um, and I just think it's a really important thing to remember that there are people who would cry if you were not here. There are people who would miss you. And for me, it was like, oh, wow, I, I got somebody who, outside of my family who cares about me that much that in not a public moment, but in a private moment, he actually cried because he would miss me. He was said, I was so sad. And I thought, I shouldn't have told you. I'm so sorry for making you sad. And he was like, no, no, no. I'm the one you have to tell. You have to tell. Yeah. And um, it was a wonderful reminder to me that um, what makes life matter are the people in your life. It's not your public success. It's not celebrity. It's not fame. It's not wealth. It's not yeah. power. It's not all these other things that everyone keeps sizing each other up with. It's, it really is the people in your life who would miss you so badly that grief would be almost unbearable uh, because you matter so much to them. And, mm. and, I, and I, I want, and I'm going to loop this back. There isn't anyone I've ever known who has taken their life that didn't have people who loved them so dearly that it brought overwhelming grief, paralyzing grief to their life. And if you're listening and you're struggling, you need to realize there are people who love you that deeply, even though you may not be able to see it or feel it, and that your life matters and you need to fight to live, fight for life. And um, that to me is the most important um, thing I want to say on this episode. I don't know if I can emotionally end the episode. I haven't fully processed the last month with everything that's going on. And it took me, I think, six years to process the, the all the crap that happened the first time you almost died. <laughs> and this time I really, I don't, I'm not going to talk about it now. But I, this one I was like, oh, it's over. I was like, we got mm-hmm. the last six years. I was like, we got the last six years. It's over. Like, it's not, it's over. And we did an art of communication Zoom with a young man who was in it and he's a wonderful human. He's a part of our, our community on the, the article yeah. community, the seven frequency community. And he shared us, you know, shared about his dad passing away the week before the week before of the same thing you were going and getting biopsied and man, it scared the app. I mean, it was from the time you got biopsied, then we had the zoom call, then we were finding out the results and you know, to, to say the least, like I wasn't okay. That's like an understatement, but it's like, you know, I had to keep reminding myself, like it's, it's human, it's human, it's human, it's human. We all, we all die. We all, live. we all die. It's what you do in between the matters. And then at the end, you gotta just gotta figure it out. And, and it's, and I was like, and we all live and we all die and we all live through other people dying. And it is, and as that was when I looked at you and said, I'm going to fight God when I get up there. And and it isn't because I hate him, but it's not. It's because I don't, if he can do all things and why can't he, if he, if he can do all things and why doesn't he help alleviate the, the, the pain of the feeling of loss? So that would be another episode when I can manage to keep that one straight. Um, mm-hmm. Until then, you know. 
we are very grateful for this podcast and for the people who tune in each week and and the weeks that we don't publish. And we're very grateful for the people who have chosen life and the people who struggle with life and struggle with death. And and this is a heavier podcast, but I think it was, you know, and I don't want to start the new year heavy, but I, I really do think that our a huge uh, commitment point for us this year with this podcast is to get back to this um, vulnerable, authentic state. Not that we've ever not been that, but I think, you know, like all things, we get distracted or we get on these tangents and and for me and you, I know we've talked about this really being important to us, having a place where we can share um, the burden of the world, maybe, mm. and and laugh and yeah. cry and 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 do all the things, and and so I'm really grateful, and and I love this place, and I love this podcast, even when I don't love this podcast. <laughs> hey, and, I just want to make sure that before you close out, Aaron, that I just say this. Sure. Um, I think it's really important for people to know that God is for them and that Jesus is present. Yeah. And that here's, here's why having Jesus in your life is so essential. He's the only one who can meet you in your inner world and help you fight the battle for life. Everyone else who loves you is outside of that universe and so you're in that universe alone. But when you have a relationship with God through Jesus, you're never in that inner universe alone. You have to then turn to him and let him be that voice of hope in your life. And this is why it's so important, so critical that God has stepped into human history in the person of Jesus and why he has come to dwell within each one of us. Okay, I'm going to end this because I'm tired and because I'm sad, but I'm also very hopeful. Um, all right. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I'm not sure what this will be called, but I'm grateful we did it and I'm grateful you hung in there if you made it all the way through. And I want to thank you guys for this next year already and stick with us. 2023 is going to be an exciting one. Um, all right. See you guys next week. Okay. God bless. God bless.